You're listening to the National Football Foundation's Tom Lombardo Chapter Podcast. At our head table, I, men- I mentioned we have uh, Mizzou Hall of Famer and uh, great St. Louis football and just in general life representative, Johnny Rowland, one of the greats in our community. From the Mizzou Communications Department, Nick Juice, a round of applause for Nick. And the athletic director at the University of Missouri. He's done a great job since taking over and has engaged our community as well as the entire state and obviously has a lot of great things going on that we're going to talk about. Athletic director Jim Stark. All right, and uh, I'll get things started with a few questions for Coach, and we'll just, or for uh, Jim, we'll pass this microphone uh, back and forth. And obviously, the job of athletic director in the last uh, 30 years has changed dramatically. And, well, heck, we remember here Coach Devine doing a great job as the athletic director, but it has become so much bigger, and the athletic department has come, become so much bigger. And the biggest part of the job is raising funds for what's happening, for example, in the north end zone at Mizzou's uh, Faroe Field Memorial Stadium. Coach, if you could bring us up to date on how things are going. Oh, south. Oh, south end zone, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the north has the M. Uh, so I, I get it. The 4 o'clock fight is not about geography, folks. <laughs> Uh, so, Jim, if you can tell us uh, what's going on with uh, your construction and your fundraising and uh, anything else you'd like to touch on. Sure. Yeah, thank you for having me again. It's great to see your, your faces. And uh, I, I just want to gauge the audience a little bit so I know who I'm talking to. How many Mizzou alums are, are out there? Great. Congrats. And um, I, I just uh, – I'm in my third year. I'm starting my third year. And, and – what do we do as far as an, being an athletics director? We really focus on uh, trying to provide one of the best student athlete experiences in the academic, the athletic, and then their personal development. And so we focus on those areas. I spend time being part-time HR person with when you have 550 student athletes um, in a small little town uh, on weekends. Uh, there's always things going on. And knock on wood, our, our folks have been really 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 good and 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 responsive and, and responsible but um and then facilities are very important in the south end zone I, before i even came i had heard from um then uh, former commissioner uh, mike slive who passed away recently but just a great guy that i had known from my days at tulane and him being commissioner of the great midwest conference and then the sec but he really said jim they're they're behind on on the football side and facility wise and so uh, if you go there, that's something to really focus on. And, and we were fortunate enough, we kind of had a collective ag- uh, agreement on what needed to be done as far as Barry. Uh, spoke to former athletic director Mike Alden and, and Coach Pinkle and just what they had thought. And, and, and Barry had the same idea of, of building in the south end zone and, and tied it to an improvement of our fan experience, um, not only in that end, but, a, but across the stadium. And so it's a, it's a great project. It's a big one. It's a $100 million project that uh, it's scary to think of how, how large that is. But it's a significant project that we had 42 individuals that stepped forward and, and donated over $50 million to give us a jump start on, on moving forward and gave the board of 
board of directors or the board of curators uh, enough confidence that we could we could move forward with it and so it's under construction and if you come this week there's a lot of steel girders that um, that it's moving very fast and moving across the the front i think the first and second floor of steel girders will be there and some of the flooring will be in so um it, it's moving along it'll be done before our next next season and people have asked you know how, what's the capacity now and we we took 10,000 seats out that didn't have restrooms or concessions and then we're putting in really high level um experience that uh, people want and we're uh, Johnny talked about not, not not wanting to be in the rain at the last game and so him and his buddies skipped out and went to, maybe to a bar somewhere or something <laughs> but um, but we ha we're totally sold out of our premium seating our suites and club seats and all of that and and so that's what we're focusing on is is building a lot of that in that south end zone and um, we're, we're in the process of, of selling those so um, it's a great project that that funding from those premium seating is also helping pay the rest of the bill on the on the project that that'll benefit our, our football student athletes. They're going to be in a, a brand new place, but it'll, we'll move 120 people, 120 student athletes out of the the Matsy from across the street, and it's going to benefit uh, softball, track and field, all our other sports. We're going to be able to access the the locker rooms, the weight room, the medical training areas, and so it's going to ben benefit all our programs. So excited about what's going on with that, Jim. I would think that there's probably a few people in here. I was one of them, and in radio, as you know, we're reactionary, and we we don't appreciate when a coach is trying to build a program. And there there was, I'm sure you heard frustration as Barry started to build that program that now has won nine of its last 10 games heading into this weekend's game against Georgia. How do you feel about where that program is right now? Great question, and actually, I, I Barry and I were having, we meet every every few weeks, and, and I asked him prior to the start of the season, I said, okay, a year ago where you were, two years, or two years ago where you were when you took over, a year ago, and then now, where where are you at? And, and his his response was what I had thought, and, and really, they have a, a group of players and and coaches that are totally in sync and and when you have that all of you you know I've been in sports and you you understand that if you have 120 guys moving in the same direction you can accomplish a heck of a lot and that's where they are we may not be the most talented team this Saturday but I like our chances because they're in the in this together we do have some talent we're gonna be competing but um, but it wouldn't surprise me either if we upset the number two team in the country. We're we're that kind of kind of team where when you're playing together, you can achieve great things. And uh, you mentioned Barry feeling comfortable with the staff and everybody being on the same page. One thing I would think from an athletic department, uh, an athletic director standpoint, it's probably tough for a coach to come in and say, "Hey, I, I need to let Mister X go," and uh, you've signed that guy to a contract too. It's not that you can just let him go and it's not like, not like an NFL player that you don't have to pay anymore. When you're building a program like that and you have to make changes, there's a lot of sacrifice, I would think, that goes into it from a university standpoint, from an athletic department standpoint, and a personal standpoint. Yeah, it's, um, I, I like to say, you know, the, the term, 
well, I'll give you an example. A.J. Ofadale, who played uh, at Mizzou and then played in the pros, had come back and he was a high school coach, and then and then Barry had elevated him to a recruiting coordinator, and now he's coaching receivers. He said, Jim, he said, I, you know, I, I don't feel great about that locker room going in there two years ago. And and he's, he said, we need to change the culture. And, and it was not just Barry telling me that. It was former players. And so Barry, over the period was disinvited about 20 players and and really changed and and moved the the direction of the of the team in a positive way and um it's not always easy and and some coaches uh, he made changes with and and you're right he does need my support to be able to do that and it's not always easy uh, but we've made those and we had some growing growing pains with with his program so we've done that and and uh totally backed him and and last year, you know, he's in the middle of a you know, terrible start, one and five, and then, and people were, uh, you know, there was no shortage of people telling me what what to do with that situation. Uh, but but um, I could see, you know, inside and 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 what was going on um, with the players, and he hadn't ever lost them, and 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 they were supportive, and they they wanted to play hard, and so um, I think. Disinviting those 20 players over that period, year and a half, had set us back, and a lot of younger players were were thrown into roles that they weren't quite ready for for prime time. But by the middle of the season, then they matured and they they ended up um, doing a very good job and finishing strong with the season. One other thing from me before we get to questions from the audience, and that is in regards to the quarterback. How much has Drew Locke meant to the football program and the athletic department? it's been, you know, really positive. It's neat when you have somebody that's on a national level, getting recognized on a national level. And we've had um, this past week, a, uh, a freshman get recognized, Knox recognized as a SEC freshman of the week. And those kinds of things really, really help build momentum and, and build attention to the program that we need, um, not only in our, our home state, but across, across the country. And so, um, people are talking about what's what's going on and the uh, the opportunity that Drew has. If the team you know can um, can have some great success this year, I, I really like his chances of, of being up on the uh, up on the dais during the Heisman um, camp or Heisman Awards uh, dur during the week. I think it's the week after. When is it with the National Football yeah. Foundation? It's after the Hall of Fame and um, just comment about that i i've been the national football foundation it really means a lot to me when i was a young administrator in maine um got to know one of the, the founding benefactors harold alfon of dexter shoe helped start the F national football foundation so i've been going to those for 30 years been associated for, with that and and seeing all the the coaches and and the players that are recognized it's really a, a great benefit and then the scholarships obviously all the benefits that that are generated there. So it's it's a great organization, and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it through Mizzou. If you have a question, please raise your hand. And if you'd be kind enough just to stand up so that the coach can hear you better and everybody else in the room can hear you better. Who has a question for Jim Sturt? Yeah. All right, we'll start here, and then we'll uh, move over to uh, Ed's proxy question. Uh, yes, sir. Road games on. 
about the only input we have is those non-conference games, and sometimes they ask, ask us to move those around a little bit. And um, I'll let actually Nick Nick Jose, uh, I was able to hire him a year and a half ago or so, almost two years now. Um, just a, a veteran from the Midwest, uh, but had been around the country, but one of the best in the business and recognized uh, by all his peers in the media business as well. So he, he, one of his responsibilities is football scheduling, and he can kind of talk about um, how that comes together. And we're almost the last to know. We get a little heads up on the, the schedule, but not, not much. So the basic parameters that they have are <clears throat> two home games on the – you have to have a home game and a road game in your first four and a home game and a road game in your last two. But the other uh, four conference games can be in any fashion. So unfortunately, um, as you said, it kind of fell that way. And our non-conference games – Coach Odom likes to play his non-conference games all at the front end of the schedule. Uh, and then he'd like to play all the SEC games after a break. So we're working to do that in the future. But even to schedule non-conference games, we have to get permission uh, from the SEC office before we can put the put the uh, agreement together to play the team. So not unfortunately, not much. Uh, we don't get much input other than the non-conference piece of it. Nick, along those lines, in the uh, in regards to non-conference scheduling, uh, for a lot of people here, I grew up in the seventies. And uh, the, in the 70s, Mizzou was known as the Giant Killers. Of their 40 non-conference games played over the 10 years of the 70s, 28 of them were against uh, 20 teams. I know that's not realistic now, but what about the thought of scheduling or trying to schedule Blue Blood Power 5 uh, 1 uh, during your non-conference schedule? You mean 1 and 2 in the country is not enough during this season? <laughs> That's a good question, Randy. So we have to have we play eight tough games in the SEC. So start with that as your as your benchmark, uh, and then we have to play a Power Five non-conference opponent. So that's your ninth P5 game, if you will. So upcoming schedules uh, for Mizzou next year: West Virginia comes to town, uh, BYU. We have to go there to finish the series. That counts as a Power Five opponent. K-State comes back onto the schedule in about 22 for two years, and then we have a, a year's break, and then Illinois will start a series for, for about four years. Uh, and then we're looking at uh, potentially playing Colorado uh, as one of our opponents uh, down the road here. Uh, and that will get us out to about 30 with our Power 5 opponents, and that's probably about as far as I'm going to go. Uh, I'll let somebody else worry about the other ones. And it's kind of crazy as to how far we're scheduling out. 2030 seems like a long time away, but – that is happening, and so we're we're close. I need we need one game in 22 and one game in 24, and then we'd be complete all the way out to 25. So so that's kind of our, our goal here. Yes, sir. You talked about the Illinois series being picked up four years. Is that going to go campus to campus, or any chance that might come to possibly here in St. Louis? Or thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we we have that right now. It's but um, it could possibly we left that open so that there could be something else happen. But we we uh, we're investing in our in the infrastructure in Columbia, and we want want to bring as many people and many games there as possible. And that was uh, you you guys weren't here, but when uh, for the four years that Illinois and Mizzou played at the Dome, that was the atmosphere was similar to the Bragging Rights game, wasn't it? It was pretty incredible, and it was pretty cool that Mizzou won all the time. But <laughs> that was the problem and why we haven't been able to play that game. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
<laughs> but it, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, who's yes over here to the right? budgets and 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 expect and so um when i'm tired two years ago or two and a half years ago uh, i looked at the budget and i it was the interim chancellor and i said this looks like a, a deficit of two and a half million dollars on this thing and he goes oh they just underestimated revenues and you're okay you, you know he was reeling me in you know <laughs> as anyone does when they're re recruiting and and it actually turned into a little bit tougher situation with um, we had a change in basketball and then um, more impact on the football side as far as season tickets um, dropped uh, after 15. And so um, we're building it back. And this past year, we just ended, I think we were 1.6 over. And then this year, we should we should be able to balance our budget. But um, at the same time, we want to grow our revenues as well because we are thir 13th in the conference. We're, we're about a $100 million budget, and the average in the SEC is $140 million. And I, I reinforce it with my coaches, you know, when they keep asking, it's, you know, 20 children asking you for more more food, and we want the nicest clothes, and we want all those things, but and we want what they want, um, that we have to balance that, and we have to be prudent, and, and but also at the same time not, not give up either. And I think we have the big, uh, biggest opportunity to grow in our annual donations that support scholarships and our special projects we're we're 13th in that about 7100 on an annual basis give annually to the to our scholarship fund and uh the average in the sec is about 12,000, and there's a couple of them at 18,000 uh, annually give to their sports programs a year so we've we're uh, um we we're behind as far as the sec nationally we're not not that far off, and we're we're continuing to pass people. People we've looked at uh, our peers as far as budget, and Illinois and Kansas are around um, around us. North Carolina, Virginia. Um, I'm trying to think. Nick, who else do we have? Arizona State and and a few schools like that that are around us in budget, and we're third in that group. We um, we're we're competing very well with the resources we have. And I'm proud to say we're we were about 23 spots ahead of Kansas on that, that on that uh, comparison as well. So and ahead of Illinois as well. I 
you've been talking to our players. <laughs> no, but um, great point. And um, the letter winners, for whatever reason, was being housed in the alumni association when I when I arrived. And 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 talking to the leadership and the board of the letter win former letter winners, we we talked about having it in in house in athletics. And so we have a, a former athlete that's that's leading the charge there and and on staff. Um, not paying her much. She's a new, younger one, but she's great with the, the internet and emails and commu communication. And so um, she's taken her, her lead from the, the board. But we also created that spot last year, and it's a gathering spot for our alumni and letter winners that, that can, uh, both men and women, and um, beer, food, those kinds of things there. And it's a gathering spot. And I have had that vision of in the future. I think that would be a great place for our Hall of Fame and letter winners to be in that end zone there and create a space that is a is a permanent one for all. Yeah. Another nice thing that the letter winner at Mark Young Club did. I mean, when I got my letter jacket, I went to pick up my scholarship check. He said, "Miles, you let him go get your letter jacket downstairs." And downstairs, the basketball manager handed me my. <laughs> In the spring and fall, we have a, yeah, it's it's really good. And then the former athletes talk about what it means to be a letter winner and be a part of Mizzou. And so it's a great indoctrination. Yep. Yeah. Great. Just, uh, I'll get to you in a second. Are there things... You mentioned that you can raise the floor revenue-wise by getting donations. Are, are there things that you, that other SEC schools do, Jim, that could be emulated in terms of raising revenue, or is it because Auburn and Alabama don't have to compete with pro sports teams and the Mississippi schools don't have to compete with pro sports teams and a school like Georgia has so much history? Are there things that are just inherently more difficult in terms of raising revenue at Mizzou? Yeah, it, I call it opportunity. I think uh, as far as our season ticket base is another comparison that we need to continue to grow. And, and on an average, um, the, we're, we're at about 34,000 um, season tickets uh, all in, and, and the average in the SEC is about 68,000. So um, like I think you hinted to, there's it is the only thing going on. Uh, I've spoken to our alumni group in Birmingham, and, and we talked about it, other programs. I was, it was during basketball season when I met with them, and they go, Jim, the only thing that matters 365 days around here is football. <laughs> and, and when they try to talk to someone about the basketball team, they don't care. They, you know, they, and it, that's an exaggeration, but not much. I mean, they, they really are it's, – it's, uh, it's that kind of culture, but – I think we, we've been doing some things with extension. Um, you may not know with, with Mizzou, they're a land-grant institution, so we have uh, offices in each of the counties. And so we, we have these um, councils, that uh, extension councils, and we're, we're working with them, and we have a athletics liaison in each of the counties that Nick is communicating with on a weekly basis of where uh, all these things going on at Mizzou Athletics um, how they can support and what they can do, but then they send it and encouraging them to send it out to all their friends in their county and we're sending them yard signs, but 114 counties, it was a way that we could use something that the power of Mizzou land grant 
being able to touch in each of the counties where you would we wouldn't be able to ever do that on a on a regular basis. So it's a, some things like that, and I think you know the leadership of the university and the system are we're all marching in lockstep, and I think there's some great momentum going on. Yes, sir. Sure. Yeah, and and Mike, um, great planet planted question. Um, no, we have, <laughs> but uh, uh, we we we're building this, you know, south end zone, and we've really um, kind of maxed out some of our major supporters, and and uh, and so we have this our our practice field project that we have going on, and and Mike's. Um, Quasi volunteered to uh, uh, do it. We corralled him, and uh, but he's leading a charge with former letter winners to to donate to that project. It's replacing all the turf on on two fields and and putting in lights. Right now, it's it's amazing. Well, we don't have lights on our practice field, and when the when the time change comes, you know they can't practice um, later in the day, obviously. And so, Barry is a big one on as far as trying to save players' legs and 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 from injuries of being on. We have a project that's that's ongoing right now, and it, it's a significant one when you build when you dig down and and try to put turf in. It's it's a one and a half to two million dollar project, but the letter winners are are stepping up, and we're excited about that getting that done. By the way, Johnny, and I'll get to you in a second. Johnny Rowland, uh, he he lived on the really hard turf, the asphalt turf, and has had a couple of uh, joint replacements. But man, what a difference between that turf that you played on and natural grass and of course the the new turf is somewhere in between but it's still pretty hard yeah um 66 uh, i think uh, was stadium open and we had the uh, natural uh, the uh, artificial turf and if you know st louis and how hot it gets in the summertime august particularly uh, is uh, it was a killer and uh, but fortunately i was able to survive seven years so it was it was a good career Yes, uh, yes, sir. So one, it'll it'll help as far as the restrooms. We're adding restrooms because right now that south end zone didn't have anything, and and so yeah, we've seen it on surveys that our our restrooms, as far as cleanliness and all, um, need improvement, and so not anything in this project but it, but i think it'll help as far as crowding and things like that where we'll be able to accommodate more people we're going to connect the concourse so the concourse from the east uh, will connect with the south and to to the west so you'll be able to um to go to newer restrooms if you if you would like so that'll be good we got one right over here and then we'll get to you next sir yeah go ahead yeah, this is kind of off of the food thing but uh, obviously, inclusion. You know, I'm here. The NCAA is in another lawsuit with a bunch of the ex-college athletes, and of course, they're trying to say they should get paid more. How do they even think that's going to work? I mean, are they talking about open bidding? So there's a great quarterback over here, and you want him, and Alabama wants him, and the Alabama boosters say we'll give the kid ten million dollars to come be quarterback for Alabama. Is that the kind of thing they're talking about? Unfortunately, yeah, I would say potentially, I think that's where it, it could go. And, and so that I think is the, um, as far as the NSA trying to, trying to, uh, 
keep the amateur model as much as you can. Um, the big difference between when you all played and, and what our student athletes receive now is there's a huge difference. So you, you can, if you're uh, a need-based kid, let's say, you know, a Pell Grant, and I received a Pell Grant when I went to college, I grew up on a dairy farm and all, and so I didn't have much money. So that helped really helped get, get to college and, and, and pay the bills a little bit. But a student athlete right now um, can full scholarship, receive all their meals, all their um, snacks, and, and then also they get a cost of attendance, um, that difference, what it really costs for travel and things like that. So you get, you get a lot more. It could be, I think ours is close to $4,000 $4, a year. Plus you could get a Pell Grant of 5000 So if you really have need, there's, there's opportunity there. The other thing that it would do is, I think, blow up the amateur model and the, the United States model. We, um, we through football, and and somewhat basketball but we fund all our other sports through that and so so those those student athletes um have an opportunity to get a scholarship and go to college and um it, it pays for a lot of the a lot of the bills um yeah so it, it would be tough uh, i think i see that model blowing up if that that ever happens yes in the back sir We do some of that, and I will turn that communications question over to Nick. <laughs> wow. Uh, obviously, the arena, when it was built, uh, was built for the students to be in the, in the end zone because of the pitch within the seats. Uh, but I think that we can continue uh, to encourage people to, to use their tickets. Um, I think one of the challenges is, uh, that people don't come, especially early in the season, is the start times are not necessarily attractive and they're 8 o'clock and it's too hard to drive in and things like that. Um, but it is a challenge and uh, it's one that we have noticed and we do talk about uh, frequently as we're, as we're planning for the season. So um, it's something I will bring up when we go back to our external meeting again and see if we can find a way to uh, have a solution to that. Because it, it is an issue and... Um, but those people that are also in those seats are helping to fund the entire program too. So there's a, there's a challenge there in trying to make that work in totality. I think one of the other things that happens that I've noticed is Dodger stadium has done this. And if you ever see Heinz field in Pittsburgh uh, Steelers games after halftime, yellow seats, when they're empty are glaring, you really notice them. You know, if it's black seats, it's a little bit different, but you, you really do notice the, the, the empty yellow seat. Uh, Speaking of basketball, we're here in the St. Louis room. Any interest on the part of the University of Missouri in playing St. Louis University? 
That was a planted question. Was, right over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, really, unlike football, basketball, the, the coaches um, are, are really the ones that are scheduling that. And, and we'll do, like, for instance, we just extended the bragging rights um, series and, and for another four, six years. And so um, that, one's, that one's back. Um, St. Louis, I think Conjo has a great relationship with, with the coaches there. Obviously, if he entrusts his son to come to Mizzou and um, so we'll see where it goes but I, I don't I don't know of anything scheduled today uh, one more thing and uh, we've all been around a while Gary Pinkle in I think it was 2004 had a statement victory at Faro Field against Nebraska and Mizzou hadn't had much success against Nebraska and took care of them and then we all remember the the night game against number one Oklahoma and I was talking to Bernie Miklas about this this morning. I think one of the reasons that we there isn't a ton of buzz is because Barry, well, winning 9 of 10 hasn't had a real statement win. This could be a huge weekend for the future of this football program. Whenever that statement win comes, it's going to be huge. But like you said, do you think you got a chance to win? you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I, I think it does. You know, obviously, uh, a win this Saturday really propels us. It, it propels Drew into the national conversation even higher as far as the Heisman. So I think the hype gets uh, gets stronger and stronger. So um, it's an important game. It's important for us to play well, and I, I expect our team given the, the first three weeks that they're going to come out and play very well. And two years ago, we had them beat and they threw a touchdown with about a minute or something to go. And uh, we, we can we can get these guys. Good. Round of applause for Do we have one more? Oh, can we do have one more? Yes. Go ahead. I saw in the paper Yes. Yeah. And, and Barry's doing a really good job and, and the staff as far as connecting with the high school coaches across the state. And obviously St. Louis is very important to us. So, um, yeah, we're going to have a great, great group. And for them to see it live and full uh, playing against the best in the country is very important. I'm going to give you a shout out. Just congratulations. Isn't Howard Richards on staff? Uh, you know, I thought it was huge for you because of all the social and Thank you, and and yeah, it was important as after being with Howard a while, and then um, through a season, and then asking him, why are you working for arts and arts and science? I think you need to be in athletics, and so um, that's been that's been positive. And Conzo um, being from Saint, born in St. Louis, and from East St. Louis, um, there's been some great um, synergy with our coaches. Uh, Robin Pinchner, our women's basketball. Coach had a recruit in last two weeks ago, and Barry met with um, met with the family. And Conzo um, during the spring recruiting, we had a big recruiting weekend up in the West Side, and and Conzo came to the breakfast. And so Barry Barry's it was football recruiting, and Conzo came to that breakfast. So 
our coaches are working together and and i think that really helps um it helps show what kind of culture we have and and um that they're they're working together and it really is positive so thank you okay that good uh, by the way, a couple of people from the St. Louis Sports Commission are back here. Chris Roseman, Tom Dolan, round of applause for those guys. The Sports Commission does great work for our community. And don't forget, on Monday, right here, the president and CEO of the Arizona Cardinals, Michael Bidwell, will be here. I will not be here, but somebody has to ask him if uh, he was one of the votes against the Rams moving uh, from St. Louis to L.A. I think I think he'll answer it with, with this group, uh, honestly. A round of applause for Nick Jose and Jim Sturt and Johnny Rowland. And uh, don't forget to take a lunch and schedule with your great group of speakers for 2018-2019. Thanks for all of your support. M-I-Z. There we go.